Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. If you want to put your candles out, you're welcome to do so. If you want to be hardcore and do the whole service, you can do that as well. There'll be a chance to relight your candles at the end of the service before we sing Silent Night together by candlelight. So there's still a chance to catch some flame later. Um, One of the lessons I've been learning, I think, in the past few years or trying to learn is uh, has been trying to hold together things that might seem to be in contradiction, uh, things that might seem to be in tension or might appear on the surface to kind of cancel each other out, but in a sort of deeper logic are, are both true. Things like grief, death, loss, and a lot of therapy has taught me this. And this Christmas season itself can be one of those times when we're confronted with a, a myriad of ideas and emotions and truths that are often in tension with one another. This is a time for family, but families can be complex. This is a time for friendships, but friendships can evoke a mix of emotions. This is inevitably a time for nostalgia and memories, but not all memories we have are ones we'd like to have. And perhaps this is appropriate. Maybe it's appropriate that we have to hold in tension seemingly contradictory states or emotions or ideas, because the reason for the season, the birth of Jesus Christ, is itself a study in tension, uh, an archetype of seeming contradiction, the logic of which is the deepest there is. This fall, here at All Souls, during our education hour, we've been thinking together about reading scripture with our Anglican ancestors, and and we've done so uh, with the guidance of some of our our brilliant parishioners. Last week, Melody Schwarting helped us think through some of the work of the great 19th century Anglican poet Christina Rossetti. I think one of her poems for Christmas is particularly helpful for capturing one of these Christmas tensions. So here's a Rossetti poem. A baby is a harmless thing and wins our hearts with one accord. And flower of babies was their king, Jesus Christ our Lord. Lily of lilies he, upon his mother's knee, rose of roses, soon to be, crowned with thorns on leafless tree. A lamb innocent and mild, and Mary on the soft green sod. And Jesus Christ, the undefiled, is the Lamb of God. Only spotless he, upon his mother's knee, white and ruddy, soon to be, sacrificed for you and me. Nay, lamb is not so sweet a word, nor lily half so pure a name. Another name our hearts hath stirred, kindling them to flame. Jesus, certainly, is music and melody, heard with heart and harmony, carol we and worship we. The tension I want to highlight in the coming together is holding together here is is the the joyous, the the wonder, the amazement of God in flesh made manifest, held together with one of the motives for this birth, the eventual death and sacrifice of this harmless baby for our sins. This is Christ, the Lamb of God, innocent and mild, spotless and without sin, yet, as Rossetti said, soon to be crowned with thorns on leafless tree and sacrificed for you and me. That's some heavy tension to be holding together at the same time. 
And hopefully we know, uh, we know the arc of the story. We, we read Luke 1 this morning in church, actually. We read Luke 2 right now. By the time we get to Luke 23, the, the arc shifts our focus from Christ the harmless babe, Christ the spotless lamb, Christ born in the city of David, to the outskirts of Jerusalem on Mount Calvary, where Christ satisfies the conditions for the salvation of the world, the salvation for you and me. This tension is not only held together in the story of Jesus' life as a whole, but I think this tension of holding together the joy of the incarnation with the weight of Christ's sacrifice is implicit right here in the Christmas story itself, right in in the middle of the message the angels proclaim to the shepherds in the field. So don't get distracted by the cool stuff the angels say about peace on earth and news of great joy. That's all there. That's true. That's good. But it's not the only thing the angels say. And you don't even need to read between the lines. You just have to see what the lines entail about the context that evokes them. I bring you, I bring you good, no, good, sorry, bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy, the angel says. Well, great. What, what's this good news, dear angel? Well, unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. Cool. Wait, what's a Savior? Well, one who saves. All right, who needs saving, though? And what do they need saving from? And how is the Savior going to do the saving? And that's where we get back to the the heavy tension that Rossetti was talking about. You see, the, the angel brings good news, good news of great joy. But news is only good if it's in contrast to some bad news. We can only receive the good news if we're able to hold it in tension with the bad news. The good news is Jesus came to save us. The bad news is we need saving. Christ is only going to be your Savior, my Savior, if we know that we need saving. If you think, I'm good, I got this, I'll figure my way through life to something like human flourishing, then Jesus is just going to end up being some nice little accessory that's... uh, fundamentally a personal journey. The gospel is only good news if we take it that there's also bad news as well. And in our second reading tonight, we heard from Paul's letter to Titus. This started out here on a rather cheery note about the coming of the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior, which again, true, good news. But there's a tension here as well. We started reading in verse 3. Here's verse 4. Sorry, we started reading in verse 4. Here's verse 3. We uh, ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. Now that's bad news. And really bad. So bad I'm going to read it again. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. Now, maybe you've lived a better life than I have, but that, that does describe me. Foolish and disobedient, dedicated to my own personal passions and pleasures, spending my days thinking primarily of my own self and my own needs and my own desires, and thus thinking of others as uh, inconvenient restrictions on my own gratification. And that's no way to live. That's not a picture of human flourishing. That's, that's bad news. But thanks be to God, I and and we were not left with only that side of the tension. Verse 4 then brings the good side of the tension, balancing out the bad news with this good news. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. 
think this is what the angels were telling the shepherds in the field. It wasn't just, hey, check it out, here's this baby that's going to make your own pursuit of your own pleasures even easier. The message of the angels is the message of Titus. We're lost, we're disobedient, we're selfish, we're self-focused, and we're in need of saving. And the good news is, Jesus Christ has come to save us. And the saving, Paul goes on to say, isn't anything that was dependent upon us or even our own efforts or our own figuring things out. Rather, Paul goes on here and ties to to drill the point home that, that we are not the ones saving ourselves. We haven't figured out some secret to flourishing. Paul says, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy. So that having been justified by grace, so that having been made right before God, by grace, we might become inheritors of the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life is that uh, eventually the good news is no longer in tension with the bad news, but rather the good news overwhelms the bad. The good news wins out in the eternal life with Jesus Christ, the undefiled that we're promised here. And in her poem, Rossetti portrays a a tension uh, between the joy of the incarnation and and the weight of Christ's sacrifice. But she also sets, uh, at the end, a pattern for our response to these deep truths. She tells us the name of Jesus, the name of our Savior, is sweeter and purer and stirs our hearts more than any other. She goes on to say, Jesus certainly is music and melody, heard with heart and harmony, carol we and worship we carol we and worship we. This is the same pattern that the shepherds followed after they had been confronted with the reality of meeting their Savior. As the last verse of our gospel reading says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Carol we and worship we. I admit that I don't ever uh, use the word carol as a verb, but, but there it is. We carol as we sing to God, sing praises to God, express our love and communicate our gratitude for what the name of Jesus has brought us. And and Rossetti says, because of the good news that we received about Christ, who saves us from the bad news, we also worship. And it's striking to me that Rossetti here talks both about singing and about worship, because sometimes we kind of confuse those and think those are the same things. But really, singing, caroling, is just one way of worshiping. Worshiping is living our lives not as our own, but as dedicated to God, as open to God, and the call that he makes on us, as well as following the guidelines he has given us for how we live and how we treat one another. Perhaps a reminder we need ever more at this time of year. This Christmas season can be a season of tensions. With respect to the angel's message of the birth of the Savior comes one of those tensions, The good news is that we have a savior. The bad news is we needed a savior. But we can receive the savior for our own, a savior who is undefiled, who convicts us of our sin, but as the spotless sacrificial lamb cleanses us white as snow. Let me close by praying these lines from O Little Town of Bethlehem, which we'll sing a bit later. Let us pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel.
Amen.